Galatians chapter 1, going verses 6 to 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together to come uh, worship your name, hear your word. Lord, I ask that you would bless this service today, that we would take your word and apply it to our hearts, and Lord, that you would guide us as we do that. Lord, we pray for those who are home watching online, and we pray for those sitting in this congregation here today, Lord, that you would be with us this week, uh, and you would guide us this day. Um, Lord, just uh, bring peace to our hearts and bless um, Bless our families and and watch over us as we go about our work this week uh, for your glory, Lord. I ask and pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Sometimes when we sing the songs with the beautiful sound from both the organ and the piano accompanying us, We're so eager to get to the end of the song so that we can close the book and then sit down. But it's good for us to be reminded of the last chorus, so to speak, that we sang. For he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy, Christ the Lord. That's why we're here. I trust you haven't come to get brownie points. I trust you've come because he alone is worthy. And I really can't think of any better way to start the week off than to hear what God has to say. I trust that the words this morning that we share with you would find good soil in which to be planted in the depths of your soul. I'm grateful for our sound technicians back there. We finally have figured some things out. um, And we're grateful for all the work that's gone into making this available, the service available, that it can even live stream not only just in the building, but also put on YouTube. Thank the Lord for that. So there is a good use for the computer, that the gospel can go out. I'm going to find it interesting of how long, when we do our study of salvation, how long that those episodes are going to stay on YouTube. Because we are going to discuss the one and true and only way. That's not very popular in our society today, is it? 
Everybody's got their own way. But unless you know God's way, you're out of the way. Which, by the way, we need to get to his word. Some purchases that we make come with extras that we have to, which have to be purchased. A new car is a sizable investment, and in fact, in and of itself, it always comes with a long list of additional purchases that can be made to or added to enhance the value and the usefulness of the vehicle. We call them options. Unless you're buying the top of the line of the vehicle, there are options in which you can purchase to make your vehicle better than someone else's. The same is also true when toys are purchased at Christmas time. There's this wonderful saying on the side of a box which goes something like this, batteries not included. In other words, you may have the toy, but the power is not included. When we come to understand what grace, grace is totally different. Grace is, comes with everything that is included. In fact, the Apostle Peter writes for us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. He says these words, His divine power has given us everything required for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything that we need. In other words, a Christian life you'll never see written on the forehead of an individual Batteries not included. And I've always wondered why, what good is a toy without batteries? At the same, con- in the same way, though, there are believer people who for a portion of their life, if maybe not even their whole life, are looking for added extras. It doesn't mean that they don't believe the gospel. But what they want is something added to the gospel in order to give their life a little bit of fizz in their fellowship with Jesus Christ. When we come to the book of Galatians, that's what was happening. From a historical perspective, I want you to understand the people to whom the Apostle Paul is writing. During the time of the Roman Empire, there were a group of marauders from over near Ireland known as the Gauls, G-A-U-L-S. They left that area because they were a warring group of people. They weren't satisfied unless they were in conflict. They got their substance of life through defeating people and taking over their land. 
in the center of what is present-day Turkey, right smack dab in the center of that, that nation, there was an area carved out known as the land of the Gauls or Galatia. These individuals that hibernated there were known for one thing and one thing only. They were never satisfied. They were always looking for the freshness. They were always looking for that which is new. And when the gospel came to them, that was brand new. Something that they had never heard before. The gospel of grace. And they took hold of it. But what came later is what the book of Galatians is all about. Remember, they they were not satisfied without having something new. And we're told that individuals in chapter 1, we were told that individuals from Jerusalem, known as Judaizers, came in and infiltrated their ranks and gave them, quote, something new. They didn't know anything about the law of Moses. They were from a totally different tribe. They they are Gentiles. They're not Jewish people. So they would have no idea that what they were being taught was something that they shouldn't have. They wanted something new. They wanted fizz in their fellowship. What was being told to them is that they had the toy, but they didn't have the batteries. And so here we find ourselves in verse, chapter 1 of verse 6. That there here Paul has made, is making a declaration of amazement. There are four declarations from verse 6 to verse 10. Three are negative. One is positive. The first one is the declaration of amazement. Where the apostle Paul says, I am amazed that you have so quickly, so soon turned from the gospel. I'm amazed. The area of Galatia was visited by the Apostle Paul at least twice in his missionary journeys. It would appear that his first missionary journey, he may very well have been establishing the churches, and then he went back in his second missionary journey to strengthen those churches. But between that time and the writing of this letter, something had happened. They began to leave their first love. Sounds familiar to the letter to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. But Paul says, I'm amazed. I'm so amazed that it says that you so quickly turned away. That word quickly there can refer to a frame of time or it can, re- it can refer to an action taken. 
really don't know. We're not told in the scriptures of how long it was when Paul left that the Judaizers came. And if you go and check out all of Paul's letters, you'll find out that that was normal. Wherever Paul came in preaching the gospel, when he left, the Judaizers followed in and wanted to bring the law. The church at Galatia, the churches of Galatia, are given something that no other church received. Paul says, I'm amazed that you so quickly have turned from the gospel. That it should at least give us an inkling to try to find out, well, what is the gospel? Where do we find? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives us the understanding of what the gospel is as it relates to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be reading down through verse 1, down through to verse 8. The Apostle Paul says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you have been saved. If you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. And last of all, as to one born in the the wrong time, he also appeared to me. The gospel by which they believed and were saved is simply this. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Can I get an amen? Amen. He was buried. That's what you do with dead people. Now don't overlook that statement because there were some at that time who believed that Jesus didn't die on the cross. But the Apostle Paul says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures was buried. Now this is the great hallelujah and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Can I get an amen? And then he was seen of many. That, dear people, is the gospel. Notice Paul talking to them in, in, the, in, in the, the church at Corinth. 
saying, not only did you hear this from us preached, but you believed it. That's the key. The key to eternal life rises and falls on belief. Will you believe? Will you trust? The word believe can also be translated in the scriptures to trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us in order that you may have eternal life. Now back in Galatia, that was being twisted. You may have in your text distorted. You may have another word there, but I love that word twisted. In other words, it's being given a meaning that it's not. It's being twisted around. I had to chuckle when I heard this particular event that happened a number of years ago. When a newspaper individual, a media person, came up to Tiger Woods and said to him, how is it or what caused you to lie to so many people for so long? I had to chuckle. What news reporter do you know that tells you the truth all the time? Twisted. Twisted for a meaning, twisted for a purpose that we will find out later in the text, not in these verses, but later on in the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul is reminding them that the reason they do this is that they may have proverbial spiritual notches on their guns. They twisted the gospel. And the Apostle Paul is amazed. But that brings me to the second question. Is this how? How could it happen? What would lead an individual who has faithfully trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ to go seeking after something else? I, I give to you the only three answers that I, and I don't believe these are exhaustive. But the only three answers that I can come to is what John writes for us in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. For in those verses, he makes mentions of three conditions of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes may be described as that which entices us to wander away. It, may, it could be money. It, it could be power. It can even be sexual pleasure. But it's a number of things that are clamoring for us to sidestep the very grace of our salvation in order that we could garner something else that does not last. It's the dangling the worm in front of the fish. Not knowing full well, the fish not realizing that what's at the end of that worm 
is his life. For he's taken out of the environment that he may live in. And the lust of the eyes wants to remove us from the environment of God's grace. The lust of the flesh is that unsatisfiable desire to have something no matter the cost. It is what the founder of the Rockefeller Enterprise once was asked when a reporter said, when is gathering the riches enough? An old man Rockefeller said, always one more dollar. Never satisfied. The lust of the flesh. The pride of life is a little bit different because the pride of life is that which fuels one's desire to be exalted without any regard to the cost. Even at the expense of other lives. I don't know how those three things played into Galatians chapter 1, 6 to 10. But all I do know is that very well could have led to them so quickly abandoning God's grace of salvation. They went looking for other things. The declaration of amazement from the lips of the Apostle Paul is that these believers were willing to leave that which is from God in order to chase after that which is contrary to the gospel of God. May I ask you a question this morning? How about you? What is it you're chasing after? Is the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ enough for you? Or is there something else you need to add in order to have the fizz of fellowship? We're warned in scriptures that we are to do introspection. Whenever we come to the communion table, which we haven't been able to for a little while, I trust we'll be able to do that soon. We are to examine ourselves. This passage causes us to examine ourselves. What is it that we need to add to Jesus in order to feel fulfilled? That adding whatever it is, unfortunately, will take precedent over Jesus Christ. Anything that we add to the gospel all of a sudden becomes the gospel. And we forget that our gospel is by the grace of Jesus Christ and him alone. For he alone is worthy. The second declaration is the declaration of distortion. This is where we we come to understand a little bit about what was going on because the Apostle Paul says 
Not that there is another gospel, but there are some of you who are troubling, there are some who are troubling you and want to distort, to twist the gospel. They want to distort it. That word distort is an interesting word. It literally means remove you from a direction in which you are going and put you in the direction of the opposite way. Have you ever noticed or at least seen pictures or at least maybe watched a movie uh, at, at the shipyards when they'll, they'll take a load off of a ship that has come from a certain way and they remove it and they move it over to a trailer or to a truck and it goes the opposite way. That's distort. That's changing the original meaning of what was to happen. Distorting. The Apostle Paul is declaring that there is no other gospel that can save, keep, and satisfy. In fact, the good news of justification, which is being granted righteousness, legal and legal understanding before God through faith in Christ, was being undermined by these Judaizers. There are two characteristics, though, of these individuals. First characteristic is this. They have have an unsettling of influence. The phrase is, they trouble you. Now that should have at least given them an indication that something was wrong. If you're being troubled... Something's wrong. They were troubled by these people. I wonder if they would have had the verse that we have, whereby we know and understand that our spirit bears witness with God's spirit. And we know what is good and what is not. I wonder if they would have had that verse that maybe they would not have done what they did. But they were being troubled. It was an unsettling of their minds, of their hearts, and of their souls. But yet they still grabbed onto it. I've been told, though I've never been a partaker of it, but I've been told that the first time an individual injects in themselves a mind-altering drug, the body doesn't want it. The first time an alcoholic will tell you that his first drink was the worst thing he could ever experience because the body didn't want it. And here, their minds were unsettled. Their mind is trying to tell them something. Don't take it. It's not right. But they succumbed to it. The second ingredient, or at least characteristic of these, is that they're downright perversion of the gospel. 
It was a reversal of the gospel. Not by mingling law and gospel, but by practically neutralizing the merit of Christ, which is the great characteristic and the fact of the gospel. In fact, one author said it this way, when you come to the gospel of Christ, it is there that you find the person of Christ. In other words, the gospel is Jesus who is the Christ. And anything that mixes with that takes Jesus out of the way in order to be satisfied with the new ingredient. And so the issue here is the combining of law and grace and the two don't mix. On my sandwiches, I like mayonnaise. I'm a mayonnaise kind of guy. I see some of you praising Jesus right now by shaking your head yes. I'm a mayonnaise kind of guy. But what you don't know about mayonnaise is there are two ingredients that just don't get along. The two main ingredients in mayonnaise are oil and water. You can put those two characteristics in any bottle you want. You can shake it up as hard as you want. But as long as you keep shaking, it looks like it gets along. But once the shaking stops, they don't like each other. So what is needed is what's called an emulsifier. An emulsifier in the world of chemistry, though I'm not a chemist, but I've learned enough to make myself dangerous. An emulsifier is an added ingredient that breaks down the barriers of two other elements that they can now get along. In mayonnaise, the emulsifier is an egg. You put an egg in water and oil, and they like each other now. They get along with each other. In fact, they're making something good that you can put on a sandwich about three slices of bologna, a good half inch of cheese, and you got it made. There were two elements that don't get along. God's holiness and man's sinfulness. Over time, people have tried to put them in a bottle and shake them up. And as the bottle is shaking, it looks like we're getting along. But once the shaking stops, God separates himself from sin. God's holiness cannot overlook sin. To have a relationship with God And the fact that we have eternal life, there need to be an emulsifier. His name is Jesus. Jesus who came and willingly died on the cross for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, brought about a union that we now call salvation man's sinfulness and god's holiness 
were both answered in one event upon the cross. Christ shedding his blood to pay for our sin and to satisfy the holiness of God. The Judaizers were trying to distort this truth. The Apostle Paul's amazed. But you'll notice the next one is that there's a declaration of punishment. The Apostle Paul in verse, in verse 8 and 9, words that are tremendously powerful, said, If anyone, even if myself or anyone else or even an angel from heaven would come and preach another gospel, let them be cursed to hell. That's what anathema means, cursed to hell. Our family, my, my wife and I, are from upstate New York. Many of you know that. Once in a while, the accent escapes. Not far from where we live, there was a town called Palmyra, New York. There's also a Palmar. You got you to pronounce it differently in Pennsylvania. In New York, it's Palmyra. Down here in Lancaster County, it's Palmar. Potato, potato, you just anyway. A town in New York State, in the western part of the state, known as Palmyra, there's a hill called Gomorrah. It is on that hill that every year, I doubt they were able to do it this year, but on every year there is a reenactment of an event that became the cell of what we know as the Church of Mormon. They reenact the fact that Joseph Smith received new information. And the angel Moroni told Joseph Smith that the reason he's getting new information is because the people aren't listening to the old information. He apparently was given golden tablets, two of them. Interesting, Moses got two tablets too. And he was also given a pair of special glasses in order that he could see and read and interpret the new news that were on the new plates. No one has ever seen them, either the plates or the glasses, so they had to take Joseph Smith's word on this issue. But the problem is, it was a new gospel. It was another way. As crucial as that is, but yet even now, in a more subtle way, People believe that there are many ways to God. Just choose one. It doesn't matter which one you choose because God understands. Aren't we all the children of God? The problem is, is 
I'm willing to stay with the old. Can I get an amen? I'm willing to know and to understand that Jesus said, I'm the only way. The truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me. I'm willing to take a stand that that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day according to our scriptures. And and that's good enough that if I believe in that, I'll be saved. I'm willing to take that stand. I'm willing to understand also that there is no other way than Jesus Christ. Oh, many of you have taken different paths to get to Jesus. You come from families that were very religious. I didn't. You've come from influences of Sunday school and, and vacation Bible school. I didn't. But we all ended up at one place and at one time. And is that it's Jesus Christ. And what are you going to do with him? You have a choice to make. You can either trust in what he's done. Or you can walk away and try to find your own way. That's as simple as it gets. And I'm here to tell you that the gospel is simple to believe. I love it when three and four year olds can talk about themselves Trusting Jesus Christ. That's how simple the gospel is. But I'm here to tell you it's also difficult. Because we have an enemy who doesn't want us to believe. That's the battle. And so the apostle Paul says anyone. Whether on this earth or in heaven itself comes preaching any other gospel than what they've been saved by, what you've been saved by, let them be condemned to hell. Anathema. The last declaration is the positive one. A declaration of placement. Verse 10. For the Apostle Paul says... I'm not a pleaser of man. I haven't come to please man. But I've come to be a servant of Jesus Christ. That word servant, doulos, means slave. And when the master tells the slave what to do, the slave does it. No questions asked. The whole point of the book of Galatians rests On the key verse of Galatians 2.20. Where it says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And this life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. That is the key verse of the book of Galatians. And it should be a key verse for us. If you really want to know what freedom in Christ is, become a slave of Jesus. (laughs) 
That's the dynamic. A professional violinist was giving a concert. And when he finished, the crowd jumped to their feet and gave him a standing ovation. He delivered a magnificent performance. The young violinist, with tears coming down his cheeks, wafted off the stage dejected. The stagehand saw him and said, why are you so sad? Those people are going crazy out there and you're crying. I don't understand. Do you see that man in the center down there sitting in the front aisle? The stagehand said, yeah, so what? There are 2,000 other people who are standing. This is true. But you don't understand. That man down there in the middle is my dad. He's also my violin teacher. If he doesn't stand, it doesn't matter what 2,000 other people do. If God does not applaud when we, he sees how you live your life, it doesn't matter what 2,000 other people have to say. The world we live in does not want to hear about the holy God who condemns sinners. But we must not soft pedal the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Let us, like the Apostle Paul, desire the approval of God more than the approval of man. We must always be speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. And let the chips fall where they may. Obey God and love people enough to share the gospel with them. It's powerful enough to save us for eternity. And it's also powerful enough to transform us in present history. That, dear people, is the gospel. Let's pray. Again, our God, I thank you for the power of your word that plainly stated the gospel is enough. It is enough to save us, it's enough to transform us, and it will be enough to take us home. And I thank you that through the simpleness of believing in what Jesus Christ has done for us is enough to garner for us a relationship of sons and daughters with Christ. So Lord God, thank you for your word. And thank you for dying for us, Lord Jesus. And until that day when we can say it face to face and see you in glory, we will still utter here on this earth, for he alone is worthy. Amen.